0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to yet another episode of the Bobo and Flex show. My name is Bobo and I am your host and I'm with the beautiful Flex. Flex, how are you feeling today?
1: I am feeling... Um, accomplished. I'm trying to extend my vocab because Ooh. good, fine, well, bad is just so basic. Like, we don't really read all these is. books to be saying good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling accomplished and I'm feeling, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, aligned. Like, the mentality Ooh. is matching the personality, is matching the output, is matching the expression. I'm feeling aligned. Just for right now, though. So it hasn't been like an everyday feeling, but right now... Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling how aligned. How did you get to
0: feeling aligned? Like, how can we also hop on this wave?
1: Bitch, you know what I did? Mm. I started meditating.
0: <laughs> look at her. Look at her. On her egg heart holy. Okay. Okay, Deepak Chopra. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> we see you.
1: I was like, look, all right. Remember a couple of episodes I was... I don't know if... Oh, how long ago we spoke about this but you know if you have like physical um, pain or ailments you've got cramps you've got a headache you kind of know what you need to do to fix those things drink water take medicine sleep rest whatever but for the things outside of that the intangible the existential you know the things like purpose and alignment that's all like stuff that requires a different skill set that I don't have. Mm. So I started meditating and I started just doing more self-development, actually practicing what I was learning. So like if one day I was learning about like the power of responding and not reacting, I would Mm. now assess all the interactions in my day when I was prone to reacting. And I react all the time. It may not seem like it, but – in my head, like I'm doing a lot of reacting and then stifling and then responding. But I want to get to the point where the first reaction in my head is of response, not
0: mm, react. Not reaction. Respond. Yeah.
1: yeah. So it's a lot of brain training. Um, but then it goes back to like, you know, that TikTok that I um, reference. Oh, look at me. I'm always referencing TikTok. But the one that. No, that- I love 50- it.
0: <laughs> TikTok is our Bible now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Literally. 50% of conflict is your fault. Um, and not in a victim blamey way, but just in a way that helps you create responsibility over the interactions that you have. Oh my God. I love this. Participant in your life. So if you just assume that whenever you're feeling some sort of like annoyance or aggravation, that half of it is you. And so you can now adjust how you respond, how you feel, what you think. And then the rest is other people, which you know, you can't control, but that's fine because you've done everything you can on your end.
0: Yes, I love this too. I've actually, I've had a week of learning how to deal with conflict better. Mm. I always thought of myself as someone that was really good at conflict resolution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then I realized I'm actually quite toxic. Um, ah! comes, like, I'm actually quite a toxic person. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I realize that like, yeah, like it's so easy when you're in a state of like anger to be like, no, it's that person's bo-. But mm-hmm. I've recently been realizing that a lot of my conflicts come from the fact that I'm very critical of people. Yeah, and and I didn't realize that I was because I guess I'm very critical of myself, but I didn't realize that, like, my level of critique towards myself is abnormal. And so doing that mm. to other people is, like, really hard. Yeah, and, like, I don't know. I just get into fights with people or, like, arguments or whatever. And not understand like why they're always offended and i'd be like everyone's so sensitive yeah i've really been spending th- these past two weeks of just learning how to fight properly and like accepting that bitch all the conflicts that you've had i've just had a very conflicty month mm-hmm. and like bitch all the conflicts that you've had like it's been half your fault which is really liberated it's so freeing
1: What would you say is your tip or advice on how to argue properly?
0: Ooh, I think I really love when I get to the end of an argument and I'm like, oh, okay, so neither of us were wrong. That was just your, like, you saw it this way and then Mm -hmm. I saw it this way Mm -hmm. and that's, like, there was actually no truth. So I think, like, Trying to be right is the biggest killer of relationships. Like, I've it just is, gotten to yeah. a point where I don't give a fuck about, like, facts anymore. When it comes to, like, people's emotions and feelings. Because I used to be that bitch. I used to be that scientific bitch. That's now, like, now we're doing logical debates during an emotional argument. And I'm like, okay, oh, yeah. time and place. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe that's not the time yeah so I think um divesting from being right and just literally just trying to see the other person's perspective um and then really and this is the part that I'm really shitty at is like being accountable for the ways that I I think for me like whenever someone tells me that I didn't communicate something properly I'm like no I communicate for a living there's bish. there's no way but I've had to like humble myself and be like mm. no like just because I communicate <laughs> for a living that doesn't mean that I'm like the guru of com- yeah so yeah. it's also another also thing the of, scale like at how we
1: communicate is a different skill like the communication yeah. that we do for a living is a far different skill than building actual human connection we just have to exactly. learn or we have learned how to articulate our thoughts yeah <laughs> but that's like yeah. <laughs> half of the battle
0: honestly and i really thought that was all of the battle because i've always been someone that like prides myself on being really articulate and being very clear and being very detailed like i'm the t- i tell people really like exactly what i want and i'm always very clear and i attribute that in part to having like an expansive vocabulary so i can be very clear mm-hmm. And also in part to just being self-aware. But like you said, like that's actually just half the battle. I think being someone that is very clear and direct doesn't necessarily mean that you're someone that is well-versed in emotions. And mm-hmm. that's like, I'm well-versed in my own emotions. And I think I, I have that expectation of everyone else. But I've also always assumed that because I'm very... I'm very, I'm hyper aware of what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling it at any moment in time. And I always thought like that must mean I'm also aware of like what other people are feeling, but that's actually not the case. So I don't know. I think I'm very good at communicating with myself, but not that good at communicating with other humans, which is like another thing.
1: Don't you love learning?
0: (laughs) I know. No, I love that. I love that. I was poem. having this
1: conversation, um, with my boyfriend about the ways we're very similar and dissimilar. Because mm. on, on paper, we have a lot of, it's more like our outcomes are quite similar, but our, our motivations towards our outcomes are really different. So we both mm. like learning things, right? But he likes to learn a little about everything. He's like a really well-versed person in, general stuff not even general but like a lot of things so he can tell you about economics and history and like all this shit that i'm not interested in because i don't really care so he's really interested in understanding the world around him and i'm interesting interested in understanding myself so i know a lot about very little and he knows a little about a lot i'm like oh i can see why we like often don't like the things that we both find important like, conversation-wise, not morals-wise, they miss because I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk about that deeply. I want to talk about oh, this deeply. And he's like, why does that yeah. matter? Like, if we understand the economics, then that conversation is important. Like, I don't really care about fiat currency. And, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, yeah. it matters because. <laughs> and then, um, like, we both need to be alone. But he needs to be alone because he's uh, fundamentally an introvert who needs time to recharge, and I need mm. to be alone because I feel as though so much of my life is too externalized that I need to like take back time like it's um,
0: okay, yeah uh, like
1: it's my duty to reclaim the time that I would have spent doing the other things that I didn't really want to do at that time. And so I'm like, oh, I see that's like two sides of uh, the same coin, but very different. Yeah. So learning about oneself is so powerful.
0: It's no, humbling it really in a really is, nice hey? way,
1: especially when it you can really apply is. the things that you're learning. Um, and it's like having the the preferred outcome. Like you now learning that you might not be the best at conflict resolution is meaning that you're trying to be better. And that's yeah. obviously going to have a positive impact on the, like, the communication that you have with people.
0: No, honestly, it's also like the realization that like there is no one perfect way of doing conflict resolution. Like, yeah. It's like something I've been thinking, like compatibility, we've always thought of as something that's all encompassing, but Mm -hmm. it's actually very granular. Like you can be compatible with someone as far as your interests, but you're completely incompatible with the way that you disagree. Mm -hmm. And like it it can literally get that granular. And it makes me wonder, like how much teaching and learning should we be doing in our relationships? Like at what point is it like yeah right like
1: i don't think we're encouraged to do enough
0: honestly because i think hollywood has really romanticized and glamorized the idea that it's romantic for people to intuit what you like and to intuit what you Mm. don't like and so a lot of people don't go into relationships expecting to teach and to learn and anytime they have to teach and learn they become impatient because they're like well this takes the romance out of it you should just know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. or they think the teaching and learning moments are a relationship breakdown like we shouldn't have to do this teaching and learning because we're compatible
0: (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like no bitch like compatibility is something we create I feel like when you start dating someone, you should maybe be like 30% compatible, but everything else is like created compatibility.
1: I think maybe in theory you should be 30%, but it should feel like you're more compatible than you are. (laughs) Mm,
0: (laughs) Only because, how do I
1: explain this? I feel like, I personally feel like in a lot of dating stories I hear, people aren't compatible enough. Like they're acutely aware of their incompatibilities far too early on. And that, to me, feels like a clear indicator that it's just not going to work out in the way that you'd like. But if you are, if you feel more compatible than you are in the sense that you think that you manage conflict in the same way, you communicate in the same way, you know each other's love languages, you've read their birth chart, you get it. And then you find out, oh, wait, they were raised in a different environment and therefore we don't see, uh, we don't see child rearing in the same way or... Mm. Um, their parents are Republicans, and they have a really centrist view in the world. And suddenly, you're like, okay, maybe we aren't that compatible on core beliefs. But there's a learning we can do because the foundation is one of, um, like, this one of perceived compatibility. I think it's far mm. easier to work from that as opposed to knowing on like the first date that the person you're dating is like a little bit homophobic, where you're like, mm,
0: yeah, yeah, they no. like Bernie
1: Sanders. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I feel you. There's actually this really interesting dilemma that someone posted in our Facebook group um, Mm -hmm. that reminded me of like everything that I've been trying to learn about communication lately. Okay, let me just Mm -hmm. read it. And then you'll let me know your thoughts. Mm -hmm. So this girl says, so my friend is pregnant. And she told me she was trying to induce a miscarriage by taking a large amount of a specific herb. She initially said she wasn't ready for a child. And when I asked if she had spoken to anything to anyone else, she told me she didn't want to tell her sister, who would probably bully her into keeping this child. Because her sister is a diehard vegan, anti-vaxxer, pro-Trump, the pharmaceutical industry is trying to kill us, like all that mm-hmm. type of shit. So a couple of days pass, and my friend tells me that she cannot fathom the idea of a clinical abortion because she doesn't think it's morally correct to choose the outcome of another person's life. I then asked her, well, what's the difference in morality between a clinical abortion and a self-induced miscarriage if the intended outcome is ultimately the same? I've also said to her, I'm happy for you no matter what choice you take. I literally have no judgment. I just noticed a contradiction in her statement and felt a responsibility to let her know. So the question here is, she's now stopped talking to me after I asked her that question. Was that rude of me to ask that question? Like, was that not okay? Okay background info about me i've had two abortions myself and cannot stress how much i don't care whatever life path she chooses because ultimately any decision she makes for herself i support i just think on a philosophical level there's no moral difference is in trying an at-home diy abortion versus mm-hmm. a clinical one <laughs> so i thought this. I thought this was really interesting also because of the responses. A lot of the responses were, well, you're not objectively an asshole. You're just... Because she's essentially asking, was I being an asshole for asking her like why she's contradicting herself and why she Mm -hmm. thinks inducing a miscarriage is morally superior to having an abortion and a lot of the responses to her question was well you're not objectively an asshole it just isn't the place to be doing intellectual debates when someone is in emotional Mm -hmm. distress and that was really interesting to me because I am the type of person to be doing intellectual debates <laughs> when Literally someone is in. <laughs> Yeah, like if if that was my friend I would have also been like, Wait, why not just get an abortion? Like what's the difference? Um and these are like the type of arguments that I get into with people where it's like, No, that just wasn't the right time to be asking me that question. Yeah so it started an argument in the comment section where half of the people were like no you weren't wrong but you were kind of an asshole for doing philosophical debates when she's in such big emotional distress and everyone else was like no you were completely right in asking her that because she's deluding herself into thinking that like she's doing something morally superior and the cognitive dissonance will kill her like As a friend, it is your moral duty to have those hard conversations even during those hard times. But, yeah, what do you think about that? Like, do you think there Mm. is a time and place for something as deep as this where it's like, (laughs) A, her health is at risk. Um, She's clearly not thinking straight because she's in such – like, there's clearly a contradiction there. But she's clearly not in the emotional state to be able to think logically – and think through this decision that she's making. But do you have a moral obligation as a friend to set aside your philosophical and intellectual concerns and like comfort her even at her own demise? I don't know, what do you think?
1: Absolutely. And I say this because I can see the dissonance of the effectiveness of philosophical conversations in environments where they're not the norm. Mm. and so like in the space of this podcast it is the norm to be having those very high level philosophical you know act twitter academia discussions because we've created yeah. that environment and dynamic and it's actually expected that you would look at situations in that way in favor of the very like normal human way to look at situations which is right. through hypocrisy and through contradiction but I I have become acutely aware of, like, how different that is outside of any, like, outside of the space that we've curated. It Mm. is the most tone deaf and, like, juvenile thing to do to prioritize what we know over somebody's reality in that moment, especially because in that discussion, the stakes weren't high for the person who wanted to prove a point right just know what you know and leave it at that like the kind of distress you put on someone by trying to be right when you could just be accommodating it takes Mm. very little and i think that there could have been and there would have been um a far better opportunity to be like but don't you think that and in that moment it just wasn't right i don't think she wasn't an asshole but i find that a lot of the like critical thinking skills and tools that we use are not teaching us empathy in any way. And they're not actually yeah. teaching us how to properly connect with people so that like these themes are easily understood and comprehended.
0: Right. Um, right.
1: But I don't think it's, it's every day, take the high road, let somebody say something contradictory and let it go. But yeah. I also think that in that situation, it didn't need to be – it was just too, too spicy, too juicy that it yeah. had to go. It's the same. It's how I feel when people want to start doing philosophical, philosophical about race, where I'm just like, okay, this isn't the time to, be yeah. like, but, but did, but didn't he have a criminal record? So yeah. Wasn't it is it every day? Yeah. yeah. And, and it's like, okay, I get where this is coming from. So let's just agree that perhaps I'm too emotional or too close to this topic to have a philosophical debate with you. Someone right. who is so detached from this discussion.
0: Yeah, I also think um, what I'm realizing is that by and large, there are two ways that people process their emotions. So some people process their emotion literally emotionally, like they feel their emotions and then other people process their emotions intellectually, like they have to think Mm -hmm. through them and like sort them. So when I'm in like a state of emotional distress, I... I need someone to, like, intellectualize with me. I need mm. I need to sort through my emotions in my head before I can, like, get to the point of feeling and, and, like, all that jazz. And I just assumed that everyone was like that. Yeah. But that's actually not the case, which is why I think I saw this. There's this meme going around where, like, someone texted their boyfriend or their friend just yeah they were in distress about something i forgot what it is and the boyfriend responded okay are you in the feeling stage or are you ready for mm-hmm. solutions right now <laughs> which is like that. yeah <laughs> which is at this point what i'm gonna start doing when people yeah. are in this like yeah in a place of distress because it is it's actually not everyday solutions but i mm-hmm. i do tend to intellectualize emotions which can really come across as like unempathetic and like uncaring when i think for a lot mm. of people that is like processing emotions intellectually is like how how you sort through them and i feel like that's something that like friends and lovers and and, and need to discuss.
1: Mm. This is why i'm always so interested in asking people what role Um, Do they think they play in their friendships or close relationships? And what archetype do you fall into? Because I feel as though we're in a similar space where for so long we've been regarded as like, the person to give advice, the person to help. So if somebody's coming to us with a solution, it's with a problem, sorry, the expectation is that we help them fix it. Which very mm. rarely is the case. I mean, I personally feel like my closest friends don't come to me wanting advice. They come to me yeah. to like just connect and build intimacy. Yeah. But because I've assumed that role and maybe it's like the main character energy being like, they need me to help them. So I'm going to help them. That you would much rather step into your self-prescribed role
0: than step out of that role and
1: be what the situation requires.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. I just had um, a really long conversation with a friend of mine about this where they were like, listen, like they came to me to set a boundary. They were like, yo, like I'm, I'm just, like, overwhelmed by everything that's going in your life, going on in your life right now. Like, I actually can't help you. And, like, now I'm just mm. feeling overwhelmed and tired. And I feel like you put me in this position where, like, I have to help you with all. And I'm like, whoa, wait. I never expected help. Like, I never wanted that or expected that. I just mm. actually wanted a sounding board. And then, yeah, we just had this aha moment where it's like, The assumptions that we... Because the role that she usually plays in all of her other relationships is, like, being the solution person, she assumed that role in our relationship too when, like, I never even wanted that to begin with. Mm. So it is, like, such an interesting... Such an important thing to ask yourself. Like, what role do I play in my relationships and do I need to? Like, a lot of people are driving themselves mad playing roles they think they have to play when in reality you actually just don't wow look at this growth Right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's just the wildest thing i really um i don't know it's it all sounds so self-explanatory but you know days move too quickly for us to slow down and be like wait a second is this Mm. thing that I've done every day out of habit because I'm used to it, not because it's beneficial, a beneficial thing to keep on doing. And also I've been thinking about how attached we get to like ideas of who we are. And so for example, like I was speaking to a friend of mine who is a musician and we were speaking about how it's really um, like nerve wracking to be, invited to go on a shoot where somebody else is styling us or doing our hair and makeup because it's always got to be something it's always got to be like a white woman who's so confident in doing black makeup and then she puts like an ashy foundation on me and a green (laughs) eyeshadow and a pink lip and calls it a day or it's a stylist who's so confident in styling people like me who wear color or you know androgynous shapes and then she brings me a size you know like four sizes too small and it's like can we make it work so like so much of us is we're just fighting against this idea of like we don't want someone to have control over what we look like because they won't do mm. us justice Yeah. so then we're exploring the idea of like well what if they don't do us justice like does it actually matter and not in those situations where they're completely disregarding like our skin tone or our size but in instances where like someone's put us in a color we wouldn't wear or an aesthetic we wouldn't wear and we're yeah. taking it so personally is that, is that really a helpful thing to you and similar with personalities I really get frustrated yes. when people that I don't spend a lot of time with or haven't seen since I was like a very very like early adult obnoxious externalizing everything type bitch who still want to tie me to those ideas, like who don't see the growth or the maturity because they, we're not in that environment for it to be seen. Yeah, And it's like I get so offended. I'm like, why don't you say that I've changed? It's so like, yeah. who cares? <laughs> like, yeah. It doesn't even matter. You're such a small priority. <laughs> you're such a small character in their story. Like, get over yourself. It doesn't matter. <laughs> as
0: Honestly. long as you know you're working on it. <laughs> no, that's so true. I think about this too, like – there's so many things that we care about as far as other people's perceptions of us and why like but that is something that I had to interrogate a lot like when I lived in LA and I would do like shoots and stuff and of course I'd be on set and the makeup artist would have no idea what to do with my skin tone with my hair and then I'd be upset because I'm the one bitch that looks ugly and then I'd be like, but why are you upset that you look ugly? Like, why can't you just be ugly with your chest and know that it has nothing to do with you? And that's that. Like, why Why are things personal? Yeah.
1: Why are things personal? It's a lot. It but
0: really it gets
1: easier. Do you know what I've been doing recently? I used to mm. – Um, I think maybe it was, like, let's say last year for a timeline. And I was talking to one of my closest friends about how sometimes it feels – a bit counterintuitive to be doing any self-improvement if you're not going to encourage your closest people to also improve as you're improving.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: Because otherwise you just get um, sort of pulled back into these like less than savoury or toxic behaviours because you haven't expressed that you're trying to change. And if you don't put context behind your actions, people won't know to also meet you at that level. Mm, And so I was kind of thinking like, what does it look like to... Um, set the expectation that you are changing and not to expect that of your friends and family, but to set the precedent uh, and to see if that leading by example changes everything. You know, because one thing oh, to be like, this is what I'm working on, but how can I show these skills if you aren't meeting me at that level or you don't have the visibility of what it looks like for me to be improving in that way? So, for example, yeah. if you're working on conflict resolution with your best friend, And you're saying to yourself, you know what? I'm going to stop being overly intellectual. I'm going to stop philosophizing everything. And I'm going to be really human and I'm going to be empathetic. But your friend doesn't know that you are actively trying to do this. So then they see that your change in behavior is disingenuous or condescending. So then they're they're like confused by why you're not behaving the way you usually behave. And there's all this tension and friction. So it's almost like airing out and being like, I'm making this change. I'm working on this thing. And suddenly your actions and behaviors are consumed through a lens that's like favorable to the change that you're trying to make.
0: Holy shit. That is... Do you think it's how do i frame this question do you think it's possible to sustain a relationship where you're growing in different directions absolutely how well
1: i think it's it would be maybe not naive but it wouldn't be giving The two people, the benefit of the doubt to assume that just because you aren't growing in the exact same direction, those directions can't be compatible in some way, unless they're fundamentally incompatible. Like someone's like, I'm going off the grid, I'm going to be an anarchist, I'm living in a commune with four people. And you're like, actually, I want to get promoted, I want to stay, you know, in the big city, I want to do those things. Then I mean, like, fundamentally, you're choosing to go in separate paths that you know that conflict but I think there is a lot more room for fluidity than we give people credit for. And I think it's mm. because a lot of people only have very traditional defined archetypes, roles and goals to align themselves with. So to right. like remove yourself from that and then to now choose what path you want to go on is very tricky. And I also think that very few people have the luxury of leading a life with um, like no clear direction Um with somebody else so you know like one person in a two-person relationship it's gonna be very uncomfortable if you're like I don't know what I want to do maybe I want to go here maybe I want to go there maybe like I don't want to be with anyone maybe I don't want to have kids maybe yeah I have kids. So they kind of people need that kind of sense of security and steadfastness to be like are you sane are we gonna yeah. do this thing together are we yeah. gonna break up tomorrow will you be there you're like I don't really know I'm just trying to vibe about whatever that's yeah. a little bit different But if it's two people with semi-defined interests for their lives being like, I don't know, like, maybe I want to try something different, but I don't know what that is. And you're like, maybe I want to try something different, but I don't know what that is. All right, let's just see if those things can be compatible in some way. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I get what you mean. But I think,
1: like, people have to be a lot more accommodating than they realize. And I think a lot of us need to detach from these very conventional ways of, like, living our lives. Because they're only really causing us pain. Talk about
0: it. (laughs) No, (laughs) literally, the way that we step on our own necks every day, Mm -hmm. in the name of tradition, in the name of romantic love, it's actually disgusting. No, I I cannot. (laughs) I've been questioning a lot of the things that I do lately. Um, One of the things that I'm questioning is, do I need to be life partners with my romantic partner? And why? Mm. Like, why is that a social norm? Mm -hmm. Because it's it's along the lines of this conversation that we're having about whether you can grow, whether you can maintain a relationship with someone where you're growing in this in the same in different directions, and I agree with what you're saying, but I also think it requires a level of detachment from each other's lives. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. that like once two people merge into one. you you're now forced to go in one direction as opposed Mm. to like giving each other the freedom to grow in your different directions and I often wonder like is it really sustainable for your romantic partner to also be your life partner for like the person that you're trying to cultivate and maintain desire to also be the person that you're trying to cultivate and maintain stability and security like is it really Probably not
1: but this we know (laughs)
0: Yeah, you know, like, and yet we really scam. We know this. Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, we cling also because I think only so only so many parts of our lives can be in disarray. There needs to be, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Like, we not everything can be up for discussion at the same time, ready to discombobulate, like one thing at a time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, literally. (laughs) Your unconventionality might start. Maybe you take a recreational drug. Maybe you quit your nine to five. Maybe you travel around the world. Like, but all at the same time, who knows? Maybe you, you know, delve into non-monogamy. Maybe you um, become a surrogate. These are all things that could happen. (laughs) But like, for, for a sense of stability, it's best to do a few things at a time. And I think that the romance conversation um, it kind of uh, breaks off. It's multi-pronged because we're not just talking about romance. We're talking about like life milestones. We're talking about conventional success. We're talking about yeah. um, options for the future. We're talking about living. It's like mm, too much, too mm. much now, too much. <laughs> yeah.
0: For you, what is your ideal format of romance like if you could deconstruct romance throw it out the window and then come up with your own structure and your own format Mm. like what would that look like
1: i like that monogamy in romance has a sense of um like not it's not the commitment i'm necessarily interested in but the idea that you are almost obligated to show up for the other person like that is now your duty to yeah. be not only the best you can be for yourself, but also for this person who is intrinsically now tied to you in some capacity. So, like, mm. it's not that the single partner thing. I'm, like, indifferent. But I do like the fact that it's, like, oh, like, you're my focus and I'm your focus. Um, but I don't like that with conventional monogamy. It stops at that. Right. Like in order for you to to have what seems to be a successful relationship. It must be Bonnie and Clyde, me and you, one-on-one forever and ever again. And every decision I make is with you and mine. Every decision you make is with me and mine. And we don't make decisions unless they're both aligned. That's all just too much. I think that what I like about single partnership is this sense of, um, uh, like almost like this sense of calm, like this place you come back to, when mm. outside gets too much. Like this yeah. is my sense of normalcy, my sense of calm, my sense of home. But also I feel as though what conventional monogamy is missing is that freedom to also be a whole person. Like there's so much compromise that needs to happen in order to- I be hate compromise. Yeah. It's just not for me. And I. it just doesn't make sense to me that we could now crown a person to be our person, but not have the freedom to still live a full life that we would have lived without them. And people would argue that your life maybe wouldn't have been full if you were craving partnership. But I feel as though having a partner should mean with this security and with this like guaranteed love and affection and with this person I am now committing to doing life with – I have the breadth and the bandwidth and the range to do whatever I want because there's still a sense of normalcy here. And you kinda can facilitate that life that you want to live. Yeah. And I feel like the issue with like conventional or like mainstream monogamy is that like if as you were mentioning before, if the life paths aren't going in the exact same direction at the exact same time, and if the two aren't facilitating the vision exactly as needed, then it must be a failed relationship. Mm. Like, where is the range? Where is the where range? is it? You don't even have to go into full non-monogamy to imp- like to apply some sort of um. What's the word I'm looking for? Like, release the shackles a little bit. Like, well, honestly, so- <laughs> no, honestly,
0: that's like something i've realized <laughs> okay this is in part corona like being on lockdown has made me realize like corona forced me to be a lot more monogamous than i'm actually able to be and it also made me realize that for me to, because i i really value and love <laughs> and appreciate romance like i need romance in my life but i go mad when i expect all of my romantic needs to be met by one person and I realized that for me to be able to fully enjoy romance, I need to diversify my romantic portfolio. So like Mm. I need to be more romantic to myself. My friendships need to be more romantic. My romantic partner needs to be romantic. Like I need a very i need romance from all facets not all but a lot of facets of my life in order for me to fully appreciate it and that is like a shackle (laughs) that we don't allow ourselves to have like i miss being a hoe and like also but also just like flirting with random strangers like it's like why do we imprison ourselves I don't understand like for what just to feel special like why must we feel special
1: like I said there's too much happening in life people to now start interrogating the 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 things that should be simple like relationships and what they are and what they stand for have just been a tale as old of as old as time I don't think a lot of us are ready to start pulling that apart in favor of a more unconventional way of doing those things it's very interesting though because
0: yeah, okay. I feel like
1: when we talk about um, like alternative monogamy or whatever you want to call it, because when I speak about uh, like this non-monogamy, it's because the things that I want a partner for, or not even need, but the things that I would want romance for or a partner for, are far different than what I'm finding. A lot of like my peers want partners for.
0: So oh, like, what's the for difference? me like mm. that?
1: Remember the the. Uh, episode we did on hookup culture, right? Yeah, that was a big turning point for me to like reevaluate my relationship towards sex, right? So up mm. until that point, sex is like was so much more than a tool for enjoyment. It was a power exchange. It was a dominance thing. It was a security thing. It was a. Um, almost like an establisher like because I can do this thing and do it well that means I'm established in this arena and then now like how a year later I'm like you know what like my libido is not even that high like there are so many other things that I find interesting than having sex and being a sexual partner yeah so when I talk about non-monogamy I'm very much not interested in sleeping with anybody else. Like the thought, I can't be bothered. Not, yeah. not the sex itself, but like how feverish like the hookup <laughs> culture is. Yeah. Is not for me. It's, it's very time consuming to.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: It's very like, like indulgent and like, mm. um uh like you've got to feed. It's a, it's a, it's a beast. You got to keep feeding into yeah. like you're feeding your yeah. ego. You're feeding your security. You're feeding your looks. It's too much. Too yeah. much. I'm not interested. What I do like is this room to like explore um, romance with people. Because I think romance is fun. And that's I like. I love it.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. just like. But I don't person. think.
1: I, I like what it looks like to show someone you care. This is why I love Grace so much. Grace is my whole soulmate. Completely yeah. like platonic in the sense that I will never want to root her. But I love her so yeah. much. I'm like who else? Can I give that to, you know, like, I want
0: to do more of that. I want those exchanges
1: where like, I'm Grace's whole soulmate. She's my whole soulmate. And the commitment off the charts. So like the focus is I'm so committed to her wellness, physical, mental, emotional, as she is mine. Like, where else can I get this? This
0: is so gratifying. The sex component of
1: relationships, boring, boring. Even this idea of being sexually attracted to people, boring. So, no, <laughs> I feel
0: literally so banal, so inconsequential. Yes. Like, <laughs> who cares?
1: Everybody's hot. Like, we could root anyone. But this, honestly, like, this feeling yeah. of being like, oh, I got to show up for this person because I care about them. Like, yeah. I want them to live a good, wholesome life. I want to yeah. facilitate that. What do you need? Let me help. That's yes. fun to me. So, I'm like, Same. surely, how many, I want to do that with everyone. I don't want to be limited by gender.
0: <laughs> Right? Or like limited by. Yeah. No, that is exactly how I've been feeling. Like, Mm. so all of the love I have inside me, I must limit to this one person. Why? Like, why can't I love on everyone and be like romantic with everyone? And yeah, it's, (laughs) it's absurd.
1: And I also now, and I think I wouldn't, this is the good thing about us having this platform to discuss things, because if not for this, so many of the thoughts I have about things would remain minor thoughts. Like we have spoken about so many things at length. It's so good for us.
0: And the other thing
1: about like, um, like I, there's too much to critique about like romance too much and like romance in like a very generic relationship sense i'm like this mm. why is everybody stressed in relationships why are we constantly <laughs> trying to fix things why Odyssey. can't i just leave people alone like why does someone have to be the way that i would like them to be and i think it's because the stakes feel so much higher when the person is your partner
0: oh my I was literally about to I'm say like, this. Like why
1: can't I just let you live? Like why do I need to be breathing down your neck talking about what are your goals? Whatever like, yeah, like, re- like relax.
0: <laughs> why? I no, I was literally about to say this. We're like why do we spend more time trying to fix our relationships as opposed to just enjoying? And it's yes. because of expectations. It yes. is truly like it's just because we expect so much from one person and the mm-hmm. only reason we expect so much from one person is because we 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 feel the need to feel special. Like we mm-hmm. we want to feel like I am this one's person. I'm this one person's everything and they are my everything and we become codependent so that we can delude each other into believing that we are the only one. Like, we are special. But the pursuit of being special is such a delusion. And it's such a distraction from just experiencing being a regular nobody. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like my relationships get so much better the more I embrace that I'm actually not special. I'm just a regular bitch. I'm no one. I'm not... I don't need to be someone's everything because I can just be someone's one thing and that's more than enough and like that's okay and when I sit with that and I embrace that I don't expect the world from anyone I'm like it's so much easier for me to accept who someone is (laughs) because they can just show up as themselves and I can show up as myself and they don't need to be anyone or anything for me because they don't need to be special to me they can just be.
1: Amen there's a word but again you know too much time like for me i just i like to compartmentalize based on um uh what's the word i'm looking for like i compartmentalize the priorities in my life based on statistic positive return you know so like i like hanging out with myself a lot because statistically the returns are always positive i don't get bored (laughs) I don't fight with myself. Yeah. <laughs> I just hanging out, having a good time. I'm dancing. I'm smiling. I'm singing. I'm playing my games. I'm making things. It's great. Work. Statistically positive return takes too much energy. Why go work if girl want to leisure all the time? It's why facts. go stress about money if girl have money? Why go, why go holiday and instead go work? Silly girl. <laughs> but you don't <know, laughs> have time to think about that right now. Similar like, to Relationships why girl heterosexual is girl heterosexual Truly, why girl why not explore more things why girl think too much about relationship why girl spend one year talking about dating on podcast why <laughs> <laughs> no literally but why girl not garden if girl likes flowers why girl not go to rainforest if girl like trees Fat, like, <laughs> like oh wow, these are the questions too many things to focus on
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god literally at this point in your life what do you want from your friendships okay wait let me contextualize why i'm asking you this do you think that you are able to have a more fulfilling romantic relationship because you have grace and like Your relationship with Grace is so lit that, like, you don't expect the world from your man.
1: Literally. I have five friends that I would actually do anything for. Just Mm. five. I'm not not allowing space for any more. Five is the cap. And then, like, I alternate. Like, two of them will leave and another two will come in. But, like, it's still the same pool of people I've known for 10 years. Nothing's changing. And that, to me, is the only reason why I feel as though, I have the range to put less pressure on romance because mm. not because it, you know, how some people are kind of like, I'll give this relationship 110 and if it doesn't work, I'll just go back to my friends. I'm like, no, I have no. my friends. So yeah. I already have an indication of what it is, what it feels like to be treated really well, what it feels mm. like to be really loved, what it feels yeah. like to, I mean, I don't think it's not unconditional, but what it feels like to feel um, intrinsically responsible for somebody else's well-being and vice versa. And yeah. that to me puts, um, it, it doesn't like take the pressure off romantic relationships, but it puts a lot of context. Like I'm not making up these roles and responsibilities in my head. Like I have them. <laughs> so you just need to yeah. replicate yeah. what I've already experienced. <laughs> like, you know, like so, w- like with Grace, like there's no pressure for Grace to be anything for me or anything for her, but there's an intrinsic responsibility to like hold each other down. Like, I got you. Whatever you need.
0: Mm, that's so yeah. freeing.
1: You know? That even if you don't have your best interest in mind, someone there is like, Whoa, babes, go outside and yeah. get some oxygen. And you're like, babes, No, I that's do. so healthy. Thank you.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's something about I don't know. There's also I was um having this, I was talking to my boyfriend the other day. And I was like, I just can't I think what I'm struggling with as an adult is that I just can't get over the fact that in any sense, women are not the weakest link. And I just feel like whenever I look at like a man, I'm like weak link, weak link. Yeah, and so, that's me. <laughs> but I don't even think, it's not something I've learned recently. It's just from growing up in a matriarchy and not having like an all the male representation in my family was just like below women. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it like
1: didn't yes. default to men in any way. And like there just weren't a lot of men in my my immediate family and my extended family. It was like the women all just ran shit. So I feel like mm. <laughs> when I think about my romantic relationships, I feel like the men are almost always operating from uh, I don't know what the correct word to use is, but like, kind of like a handicap, in the sense that like I'm not going to respect you as much as I respect a woman.
0: So like, oh, in the yeah. sense of like,
1: someone like Grace was like, "Babes, log off, go outside, get some air, yeah. go and meditate." I'm like, "Yes, babe, you're so smart." If any of my boyfriends told me to oh, do that,
0: l- I'm going to <laughs> beat the shit on site it's on site excuse me
1: <laughs> no that is, no, that is literally me
0: <laughs> hold on that
1: is, so you're telling me how i should live let me tell you
0: <laughs> oh my that is literally me that is oh wow yeah so there's also that no i i feel the same but it's it's also just objective fact. Like I don't, I don't know how many men have you met who weren't the the weakest link. Like, and it's not even like I. It's not even that I'm a
1: misandrist because I definitely don't think that men are less than. It's mm-hmm. like it's given a circumstance where I had to rely on a woman. Um, or just a non-male, I would far choose that in any circumstance.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like for my safety, for my security, for creativity, for inspiration. No, absolutely. Like I would just always default to a non-male. And I just assume I think the characteristics that I apply to non-male are always more positive than men, which I think is really interesting as well. And it's unfortunate because um it's not something I'm actively working on. It's not something I'm actively working on changing, and I feel as though this is a lot of thi- it's holding somebody. Um, it's uh, like punishing someone for existing yeah, in some capacity, passive. and it's <laughs> yeah. not. But it's not an active thing for me; it's a passive thing. Like it's mm. it's almost so I have to like check myself and be like, "You just didn't like that because it was coming from him, but if it yeah. came from her, yeah, it'd be more." And f- like, yeah, you know, you're right, Brain. That's true.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, like there's. <laughs> I'm exactly the same, but I don't know that it's something I'm ever going to work on. Um, yeah, no. I, I think I might actually be a misandrist, but at the same time, mm. I don't believe in misandry because I think it's like reverse racism where I'm like, mm. can I really be a misandrist <laughs> towards you when <laughs> your, your foot is on my neck? Um, so I, I do think that men are... I think that cishet men are at the Mm -hmm. bottom of the food chain and non-men are just celestial, incredible beings. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, like every day I question, like, do I believe in gender equality? Like, why should women and non-binaries pretend to be equal to men when their foot Mm -hmm. is on our necks? Like, why are we doing that? So it's something that, I'm the same. I don't want to be told anything by a man. Whenever a man opens his mouth, I'm like, sorry, why are you speaking? Who said you could do that? Um, Mm -hmm. Excuse me. This is offensive. But I, it definitely hinders my ability to love men romantically. (laughs) 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 Because I do think we're part of, a part of loving someone is being able to take critique. But I just cannot bring myself to be critiqued by a man. <laughs> by a man? Nah. We're going to fight. Like, square up.
1: You're wild.
0: <laughs> it's wild.
1: Do you know what I do love, though? Yeah. I love, love, love bro culture. And let me tell you.
0: Really? Why?
1: Yeah, there's something about it. I feel as though it's just so baggageless. Like, to walk into an environment, recognize someone who you identify with purely because you perceive them to be male and then, like, have an affinity for them. Like, it's... Mm. Like, I just... I see it and I'm like, this is wild. Like, you just... Both of you just like sports and now you're hugging. I know. And now you're like, you, like this is your person because you just like the same sport. Or, like, the sense of comfort. I know. Can you believe it? Yeah. Like, when I walk into some environment and, like, automatically it seems to get segregated or, like... Yeah, segregated by gender, you know, or like how people are perceived to identify. And then it's yeah. like the quote unquote men are over here, the women are over here. And I'm like, why is the energy so good over there? How yeah. are you laughing already? Why are we <laughs> laughing? I wanna to laugh too. Yeah. And then over here we're trying to like gather details and like ask questions. Like, you know, so what do you do? Oh, okay, cool.
0: Like, yeah. Wait, too do you much. do you believe in this idea that like male friendships are just easier and like more fun and, 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 and. I think um, they're low risk, low reward. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you're
1: definitely not getting much out of it, but it seems fun. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's stress free. <laughs> yeah, I would much rather the kind of dynamics I have now with women. It's kind of like the stakes, the investment is higher, the stakes are higher, but it's mm. almost always worthwhile because, yeah. like, we're coming from the same. We're, it's generally the approach is very similar, but. You see, like, isn't it so... I find it really interesting to talk to just, like, heterosexual men who don't have, um, like, non-male friends who are just so excited to just talk about how they feel and what they yeah. think and why they yeah. think it. And it's always, like... It's, like, that same... We were talking about it in our dating episodes, but it's so easy for... Uh, like us to make men feel special in that environment because we're just asking them questions and that's getting internalized it's like oh my goodness you care it's like oh no it's just conversation babe so like i that part of manhood seems very difficult i'm like i wish you could change that for yourself because i can't do that
0: yeah um, and they really can too like they really yeah just in a
1: really juvenile sense i like bro culture not in like a not in the not in the misogynist like rape culture way, but just in the like, oh, so simple. Yeah, like you just see someone a, who you perceive yeah. to be your gender and now you're like loving up.
0: <laughs> I know. And it's just that simple. I don't, it's yeah. <laughs> I think my New Year's resolution in twenty twenty one is to make more male friends. Mm. Um but like close male friends. Mm. I have like I have male friends, but they're not deep. And I need, um, I need like, on like authentic men in my life. Like, mm. I think similarly to you, I grew up in a family with a lot of women. Mm-hmm. And that has colored my perception on men quite badly too. Like, there's just, there's just so many women in my family. There's like, I have a lot of aunts, like all of my cousins. I have one male cousin, like everyone else is a girl. So I think my perception of men has definitely been colored by that. And also just like the cultural context of being South African where there's such a high femicide rate and like the men just don't respect women and the masculinity is so toxic. And there's so much like generational trauma that's not being addressed by black men in South Africa. Like there's so much where like my perception of men has definitely been colored by the violence that I've experienced or like seen from men. But I want to just, I want to manifest some wholesome men in my life. Like, I want to see if it's true. I want to see if if it's possible.
1: I'm sure there are a ton who listen to this podcast who are also in New York.
0: Oh my God. Maybe not a ton,
1: but at least 10.
0: Yeah. (laughs) If you are a non-woman... And you live in New York and you listen to this podcast. Let's be friends. Let's all go hang out in the park and do shrooms. Like, let's do it.
1: That sounds really
0: nice. Right.
1: Did we talk about when we did shrooms yet? Have we talked about
0: that? (gasps) No. So that's going to be our next episode. Yeah. (laughs) We need to, we need to talk about shrooms. Yes. Okay. We have hit the one hour mark. So we'll cut it off here and our next episode will be about shrooms and drugs and whether or not drugs are bad i actually really want to discuss that so (laughs) thanks for tuning in everyone find us on instagram on facebook on twitter follow us at bobo and flex we also have a patreon where you can get ad free episodes earlier than everyone else Mm -hmm. so subscribe to our patreon and we'll catch you in the next episode bye Farewell.